listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Welcome to episode 99 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Ian Bailey. Ian is the head coach of McGill University's men's rugby team who compete in the RSEQ Championship against teams from Quebec and Eastern Ontario in Canada. Ian has also had a major impact on club rugby around Montreal, heading up the Montreal Irish and before that the St. Lambert Locks. He also coached the Quebec Provincial Senior Men's side for a number of years. He's coached me. I've coached with him. I consider him a mentor, and I can't believe it's taken this long to get him on the pod. So welcome, Bales. Hey, thanks, mate, man. Glad to be here. It's a privilege to be able to chat chat rugby. It's a pleasure to chat rugby at any point. Privilege to be on your on your podcast with you, man. Thanks. Mate, awesome. Um, yeah, and I, like my excuse for not having you on earlier is I wanted to save – Episode 99 for you, you know, being being Canadian and the great one, Wayne Gretzky, uh, wore that number. So, uh, yeah, let's 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 go with 99. Yeah, perfect. That's funny on that one, too, because I remember you mentioned something about your ice hockey skills and mine are much similar, not not so good on the skates. And I got handed a 99 jersey to play against the students one year. The student teacher gave my high school. And that's just nonsense. Didn't Didn't go well. Uh, so well <laughs> like a like a newborn giraffe uh, would be my uh, imagination <laughs> there you are <laughs> cool cool well uh, let's get into it um what's what's your backstory on on rugby how'd you how'd you get into it and um you know how 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 how'd you progress as a player through that time yeah well i was a lucky one in the town uh, i grew up in in ontario um my the junior high school that i began in grade seven uh, it was a new school and we were the first grouping in there and um it turned out the music teacher uh alistair ward was his name is an old fella who just was a rugby guy he just he loved rugby and he decided to try and get a, a rugby program going in this brand new school and at the time it was uh he was only able to, do, to run sevens but he managed to do it through the years seven eight nine and ten um, having a grade level group uh, at each. And uh, that kind of got me hooked on it right, right then and there. I played a heap of sports uh, growing up. Um, but uh, at that time, um, you know, it was a, a spring sport. And um, that was the one that I chose uh, to run with and, and had a great laugh with it. When I <clears throat> finished out at junior high and moved on to high school, um, there was the opportunity to play 15s. And that was my, my introduction to that in grade 11. So I played uh, high school uh, rugby for a couple of years and then joined the local club. Shout out to the mighty Cambridge Pirates, Cambridge, Ontario. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and I, I ran with them for a few years until I went off to uni. I didn't start uni directly after high school. I worked for a, a couple of years and then moved off to the University of Guelph, um, where I, I played out uh, during my, my time there and uh, then got hooked in with the, uh, the Guelph Rugby Club at that point. Um, and, uh, and and played a number of years there in the Niagara Rugby Union. And shortly 
after that time, the, the two clubs, the Fergus Club and the Guelph Club, sort of merged. Uh, you know, looking at the, the town that was about there, and I was uh, that was a great move. Um, that team ended up getting into the Marshall Senior A Division, and that's Ontario's top division, uh, playing against the top clubs in the province. Um, by that time, I moved into a more of a coaching role and was uh, just running around uh, playing a bit of third grade rugby with the club. Uh, then I had a work opportunity to come to Montreal, and as uh, you know, as you do, you, you meet up with a bunch of lads uh, around a park one day and, and get hooked back into it. So that was me with the, the St. Lambert Locks um, for a couple of years. And then, as fate would have it, I ended up at your alma mater. I went to yeah. over to Newcastle, moved Crazy. to uh, Australia there to do my teaching certificate and ended up playing as a an angry seahorse for a, for yeah. a year while I did my degree. The mighty yeah. seahorse. Um, yeah. what, what year was that? I was, uh, so I played one season with them and it would have been, oh my goodness, that was 94, I think. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, you came after me, I think. Yeah, well, after I was there in 2005. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <and laughs> that, was, crazy, that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's just something in it. Um, yeah. And I don't know, I, I think it was, uh, obviously you knew uh, John Jones here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the late great here here in Montreal, yeah. Well, that's that's he's his a newie uh, boy too. Yeah. yeah, his place. In fact, turns out that while I was over there uh, studying, he had gone home for for a bit of time, and I he literally rocked up to the to the park one day when we were playing. And, oh, uh, right. Just take a look across the way, and there he is. It was oh, it was interesting. Some, yeah. Yeah, good man, good man. <clears throat> yeah. Inter- interesting that you started in sevens. Was that your uh, your only? Uh, only time in the uh, the the faster form of the game. I'm saying yes. <laughs> well, so yeah, pretty well, my friend. I uh, so I was uh, when I was a kid. I was a late late bloomer. So by at seven, I was just a little toady kid little there whipping. running about. Yeah. yeah, and even through you know grades eight, nine, and I don't think I really started growing at all until I got into grade ten, grade eleven. So yeah, that was the sevens kind of suited me at that time too. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, since then there's not been an awful lot of the sevens. <laughs> Cool. And after uni, Newcastle Uni, what, where what happened after that? Yeah, well, that's when I came back uh, back here to <clears throat> to Montreal and um, was uh, back in with uh, the Locks for a, uh, a a small stint there, um, and that's when I got involved with Rugby Quebec um, in terms of uh, the senior men's program, and uh, that was you know that was a fantastic opportunity. Um, in, in terms of getting to work with, you know, the, some of the top guys that uh, the top players that we had here, um, and that you know formulated a lot of what I ended up doing sort of later on in terms of learning to work with players and, and learning to get more that learning that you get more from players than you know quite often you can give to them. Um, so that was a really really good experience. Um, but as far as the playing days uh, at that point. I had sort of dwindled down to it. I was, you know, my early forties at that stage. And mm. well, I've watched the likes of you run around at an older age than that. Uh, the, <laughs> the body was saying that it was a, a bit time, uh, about time, sorry, to, to kind of back it off a wee bit as far as the playing goes. Yeah. I feel <clears> that. Yeah. 40, 40 was my last year of playing and uh, <laughs> I was still sore on Thursday night. So that was kind <laughs> of the, the, the body saying, Hey, <laughs> Coaching, well, yeah. coaching is your full time, <laughs> not your part time uh, role. <laughs> yeah, mate. But at forty, you were still playing first grade rugby here. I was running around in the thirds at that age. <laughs> yeah. all, all good. And what I like going back to those very first coaching experiences in Ontario. What uh, what they look like? What what kind of 
what kind of lessons do you get from that now that you'd you'd be like, okay, I did some of these things well, but these things I uh, I'm glad I've moved on from that. Yeah, well, in, in terms of coaching, I, I actually started um, doing a, a bit of coaching when I was younger, but uh, in basketball, and that was through a, right. a teacher that I'd had when I was young. And his his big deal was that. Um, sport had given him so much you, you give back to the sport and uh, then mm. he also he sort of pushed or preached that you know you you it's never too early to to start doing that um and so uh i i began coaching early and and that's definitely something that that i took on was it um it's an opportunity to give back and an opportunity that i think kind of kind of everybody should sort of take as they go um but in terms of what I what I learned or what I got early, I, I was a hard learner, <laughs> and and uh, you know I think some others were too. Um, we were you were going to do it my way, and that was the way it was going to be. There was there was I was entirely coach centered, um, no no thought of being a, a player centered kind of a guy, um, and and it took a wee while learning by listening to to players a little bit more, and you know that adage of uh, two ears one mouth and using the proportion mm. sort of settled in. Um, and I began to, to listen and that definitely helped because then I was able to sort of provide players with what they would need to do, sort of what they wanted to do. I mean, I kind of looked at it as though, um, you know, I was coaching the team I wanted to have, not, not coaching the team that I, that I do have. So I wasn't really mm-hmm. listening to what I was getting from folks. And I, I know that I had to change, change that about. And uh, that led me to understand the, the role flexibility comes in uh, as a coach um being able to to adapt to different people's needs and different people's goals and and uh and definitely as i said listen to them in order to to, to try and meet those a little bit and become a bit better at what it is that you're doing that's a, that's a really good point that one where i i've i fell into that trap as well where i'm coaching a team but i'm i'm thinking about the next team that i want to coach and i'm not being in the present moment with my current team and that devalues everything that the players are putting into it. Um, so, yeah, I've I've definitely gone down that pathway, and and it's so good when you just like rid yourself of that and just go, you know what, this is this is where I'm at. This is, um, you know, I'm going to make this the thing, and then whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, you know, there's the the point you make about devaluing things i mean just think on that someone's kind of running something in order to meet some sort of fictitious thing they've got sort of going on in their head and you're the actor in that play i don't i don't yeah i don't i don't know that that's a a very good situation to uh to be in as especially as the leader of a group like that so Mm -hmm. um yeah i definitely had to get that that fixed up and, and get that right and yeah, I'll say slow. Um, you know, you, you would hope you pick those things up really, really quickly. And, you know, I, I definitely didn't. It, it took took a bunch of time. I had, uh, I remember a few years in, someone, you know, an old mate or something like that saying something to me about, you're just like so-and-so. And we'll leave the name out of it. But it was a coach I'd had years and years and years ago who just did mm-hmm. the same, stood there and screamed at Jim, made you run yeah. to death, you know, like. And that that opens your eyes a wee bit to what what you're doing, and maybe to think a little bit about what you want to do instead. Well, that's that's a common theme that comes out in most of the interviews I've done is that we coach often how we were coached, um, and you don't know what you don't know. But if you're introspective enough, and you 
kind of can look yourself in the mirror and go, oof, yeah, you know what, this is this is not going well and maybe I have to move things uh, in a different direction, then, then you're going to progress. Yeah. Yeah. Good to agree more. Cool. And, um, you know, after, after those, you know, years where it, it took you a little while, when, when was the time where you, where you felt, you know, what oh, I've, I've got, I've kind of got a good idea on what my coaching philosophy is. Um, and you know, these are, these are the main things that I value, uh, as a coach, what, what were those kind of things? And, you know, when, when was that, that period of time, do you feel? Yeah. So, um, I got the opportunity to work at the University of Guelph. Um, I kind of came aboard as a forwards coach and um, I guess it would be second year. And it was actually a, a, a countryman of yours, an Aussie boy. Gus was his name. He's a flanker, really good flanker to come over and play with us. Um, and That's what we do. We make flankers. Man. <laughs> yeah, they get produced. <laughs> um, and in terms of... Uh, I guess the, the the overriding in my philosophy, this guy put it in my ear, um, you have to have fun. And mm. this, this was what he was all about. He was cool. all business when it needed to be business. Yep. But he ensured that we understood that this is a game and we play games for fun. Mm. And um, yeah, that, that was, he was one of the hardest workers going on, on the park. Um, and that season actually, um, was the first time Guelph had won provincial title since the early seventies, I believe. And, um, you know, a, a big part of that was on the, you know, the fun, uh, but obviously very competitive culture that we had developed. And um, so I knew that that was definitely a piece that I needed to take forward. And, and what I was doing was that uh, we need to ensure that the game remains a game. It remains fun for, for everyone involved. Yeah. So we had a really big piece there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that theme. And that's something that, you know, probably the last five years, well, probably since starting this podcast, really, it's really been more of a focus for me where it was kind of like, I'd say it, but was it really fun for the players? I don't know. Um, but but now it's, uh, you know, having talked to a bunch of guests and um, realizing myself that, you know, that's, that's such a key, key part of it. And, you know, um, yeah. that's well, the players are coming from all different, you know, work days to come to practice on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Um, you, you want to make that the best two hours of their day, not the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, as a couple of your, your other guests have said too, um, I, you know, there, there's your, your coaching ability and your progression is, is, is this is not a linear thing in, in, in one straight line gradient or anything like that. And I know I've fallen off where, you know, it, uh, I'm now starting to feel the push of, uh, we're on the cusp here of getting something done and, you know, okay, so maybe we get off the fun bar a little bit, we mm-hmm. get onto the really mm-hmm. serious nature of the goods. Um, yeah. but I, I think, I think in balance, um, it's really important to, well, obviously to know the principles that you're really holding, but to get back to them and, mm. and getting back to the fun and ensuring that, that that stays as, uh, you know, the cornerstone of what you're doing. And so everything you plan has to kind of around that to start. I think that's really important. Yeah. That's where, that's where I, I love like messing around with warmups and even cool downs is like, I want that to be like, you know, let's go back to elementary school and do phys ed games like that may or may not have a rugby ball in them in involved in them and just get loads of laughs and loads of stupid stuff going on and 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 growing growing adults you know 
carrying along carrying on like school children and then once mm-hmm. that's done it's it's okay we go we go to work now um yeah. and I, I i've found that being a really effective way of you know getting those vibes yeah no no question i mean like uh <laughs> one of the you know 65 well this year things were a bit different with the, with the uni group but typically we're 65 or 70 guys and it's mm-hmm. hilarious watching 65 70 21 19 20 21 year olds running around playing hot dog tag and i took that from you actually the hot dog mine, tag yeah, when yeah. You introduced that to which me. I, I stole that from um <laughs> my eldest daughter's uh phys ed teacher I'd, I'd hit her up every every day what do you do in phys ed okay all right i'm gonna do that for the for the guys tonight yeah hot dog yeah. hot dog tags a winner yeah. <laughs> Beauty. Yeah, well, you've you been in club rugby. Well, you've been coaching not just club, but uh, various levels for loads of time now. It'll be close on two decades now. And, uh, mm. you know, what, 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 we're not in it for the money. Uh, that's that's pretty clear. Um, what's uh, What keeps you staying involved and, and staying motivated and continuing to get better as a coach and 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 those kind of things yeah there's a number and and everybody's got you know probably two or three that that stick to them in terms of of why Mm. um i'm in a an enviable position the way i look at it at it anyway maybe others don't no children uh, a partner who still plays the sport and coaches the sport Mm. a bit too so um you know we we keep each other very interested in it obviously but um you know, I, I have a, a real love of, of watching the game and, and and a passion for the game. And I really like seeing kids and, and young people develop that. Um, as a school teacher, you love to see that light bulb moment when something clicks and something yeah, that previously yeah, yeah. misunderstood or not understood now seems pretty straightforward. And you get those opportunities, you know, in rugby all kinds um, just the same way. And that's uh, that's to me that that's an awesome bit. You have a good segment in a, a rugby session. It's it's like hitting your driver straight 300 yards. You know, you just mm. it makes you want to come back, and you, you, you just mm. love those types of things. Um, at the uni level, um, we're we're developing young men, not just uh, rugby players, and that's a big piece too. You know, um, from an educator's perspective, um, you know, we we have things that uh, that we look at in terms of the values within our group. Um, obviously, on-field play is definitely one of them, but um, we have a couple of others too that are really critical or really important to us, and and we get the opportunity to help kids or young men grow and develop that way. Um, you know, there's an opportunity of supporting someone to to develop into the man that they want to become, and and that's mm-hmm. a, a real real big deal. Um, and you see the passion in, in in young people when they play as well. And yeah, um, you know, if if you don't get caught up in in passion that, that runs that that deep and true in something, that, you know what does move you a bit i guess mm. uh yeah I, I love rocking up to the side and, and watching i love being involved in the in the the triumphs and, and obviously the challenges that come with it and um you know I, i'm one of those guys that I, while in it at the moment adversity seems to push it back a little i kind of mm. i like the challenge of some adversity at times i think and um, maybe put a little too much on myself at times but uh yeah, yeah. Lots of reasons, mate. I'm, I'm sure there are so many you've heard over the time. Yeah, yeah, and I think that one about you know helping helping athletes grow into <laughs> adults is so important. Like, I I just think of my my own time like as a university student and 
<laughs> it was, it was uh, there was some loose uh, kind of times there where I, I really I'm envious of these guys, you know, like uh, who have coaches like you, where it's like, hey, you know, arm around the shoulder kind of thing. Do you think this is the right pathway that you want to be on? Uh, yeah. You know, as a 19 year old man, like, is is that what you want to be doing? And I think that's like. You know, and a lot of a lot of people will pay lip service to that kind of stuff as well, saying, "Oh, yeah, we do that, we do that." But like, really, are you doing that? Are you are you holding kids to account um, to the words that they've said they're going to follow through with, or are you just going, you know, what you know, like the on-field stuff is the the priority, and you know, that's they do what they do kind of thing. I, I think that's critical. Yeah, same, same, and I um, again. The, you know, we've, we've talked and you and I individually about it <clears throat> previous times. What, what's kind of available out there now to help uh, coaches and as, as we'll laugh about my my technological skill is not uh, what one would call highly advanced, but it's easy even for a Muppet like myself to go and find all kinds of stuff and 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 seek out people to speak with and, and help, mm. you know, make me better toward doing that. Um, you know, talking the, the culture piece there a little bit. I got a, a whole bunch of really good uh, stuff out of working with you on that actually and in you know you, you props to you on that end of things that's helped me to continue learning more to that effect and and, and making sure that the importance of that comes out in what we do too yeah cool i appreciate that all right well um talk to us about mcgill rugby what's a what's a bit of a description of uh mcgill university it was one of the only two universities i knew when i moved to canada i knew ubc and i knew mcgill so it's obviously a, a university with a, a huge reputation internationally. Uh, what can you tell us about the the rugby program? Yeah, so it was a strong rugby program. You know, historically, um, you know, the, the first run around they suggest is 1872, back in the McGill Harvard match, and you know mm-hmm. that was that was actually commemorated with that the, the DC match that just went off with the All Blacks and uh, and the US, um, and in fact some organizers had kind of reached out to sort of Harvard and McGill, but with, you know, current, current world and border conditions, there wasn't going to be anything that could sort of get done to, to address that. Um, but yeah, from, um, you know, from a, a team and club perspective, uh, the history is, is massive and the legacy of wearing a, a Jersey that's been, you know, passed on now for nearly 150 years is a, a pretty special thing to the guys. In terms of um, you know kind of what we're about now, um, the university rugby. If you look at women's university rugby, direct pathwaying up to national level uh, yeah. national representation, yep. and we would like to have that as a similar sort of pathway for men. And um, you know, all all steps along the way see that as the same sort of thing. In order for that to happen, um, you know, we we have to really push towards high performance. Uh, environments and a university is a perfect setting for that the facilities yeah, are there yeah. um where we are um we've you know a, a, an on-field uh, tactical tactical training group um that uh, coaching group that's you know supplemented by strength and conditioning coach nutritionists we have people that can work on mental skills and lifestyle support um obviously we provide all of the academic support that um you know that would go with a first class educational institution um, so if the ambition is to move 
forward in rugby and to push into that high performance type of training environment, um, we are able to do so. And that's what we are currently trying to do. When I sort of first came around in rugby, I mean, back when I played uni rugby, it was just a big fun get out there and smash them up and, and you know, have a, have a great laugh of it. And, you know, even smash some beers after too. <laughs> yeah, there's that bit all the time, of course. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when I first started coaching at uni, um, you know, 30 years ago, um, the or 25 years ago, I guess, um, the the training that athletes were doing, the lifestyle that it was being lived, it wasn't near what it is now. And mm. um, I think that the shift is a very, very positive one. Obviously, it's Great. something that I, I certainly want to be involved in. And um, we're getting more and more uh, a buy-in to thinking about playing some rugby beyond here or working as hard as possible to see if an opportunity exists to do so. Um, and if we can get more and more players sort of looking at things that way, and that's kind of the goal uh, and the challenge. Uh, I think that we start to work toward a sort of a higher performance environment, which is, which is what we would like to be. Um, the top schools in the country uh, are definitely right on that. And, um, you know, we, we have goals to try to be there. So, uh, we're going to have to have behaviors that match it. Yeah. And what, um, you know, you talk about a high performance environment on the field. McGill is uh, notoriously like very difficult to get into as a university. So they've got high performance uh, academic uh, expectations as well. How how do you marry those two together and, and prioritize uh, times where, you know, rugby's the, the, the area to focus on and academics is the area to focus on. Well, and that's, that's uh, really, I guess the best terminology would be a growth and development area for us. Mm. Uh, I think we manage, we've managed it well, we manage it not as well. Um, you know, our, our culture is player driven. Um, you know, we, we determine our values as our very first sort of set out um, so that we can establish what, we want to be about and determine an identity from the values we've set. And um, from moment one, uh, myself and, and Matt um, are both school teachers. And mm. so academic is Matt priority Gaston. number one. Yeah, priority number one. Um, and while we do ensure that everybody knows that and we support it in a, a number of different ways, uh, you know, at the uni, we do have to recognize and, you know, we want to build in that rugby is a 1A then at that stage, um, how we're going to perform on the field and how we manage ourselves. And this goes back to the development of a whole player or, excuse me, whole person versus just player. Um, time management, organizational skill, prioritizing. These are all skills we've all got to learn. You yeah. know? And um, so this is one of the things that we work on as a club so that we we don't end up at crosshairs with you know academics and uh and the, the rugby needs sort of conflicting with each other it still happens and um you know we we take it case by case as, as things go but mm. um but that is definitely a, a challenge andy as you noted um you know the the gpa um to enter in mcgill is uh it's tough it's 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 not an easy entry to the school and um the uh, the lads that are coming here also recognize, and once you get here, you you discover that the the rigor uh, for the academics is there. Um, it, it does require you to to grow um, in in your ability to manage 
um, you know, both the sport and the uh, the academics. So it presents challenges to us, um, and and we continue to work on it and, and hopefully better at the, get better at it and with it uh, each year. But it definitely presents challenges to us. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And um, you know, this season you received the twenty twenty one RSEQ Men's Coach of the Year Award. Um, how how was the season, and and what were some of the the challenges that you faced? Um, yeah, uh, we had a great season and, and that's, um, co- coach of the year, I believe in our conference, uh, the, the coach of the year award is a recognition of what a team team's accomplished and team's done. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's nice to get an award. I suppose it always is and recognize you, you trade a thousand of them to win, uh, win the cup, obviously. Um, yeah. but it's, it's definitely a recognition of, of team performance and, um, we're very, very proud of the guys. Um, as, uh, people I have seen, we, we didn't. We didn't show well in the grand final, um, you know, a, a blip on an otherwise good year. Uh, we showed uh, some real guts and character in the semifinal and, um, you know, mm-hmm. we lost our way and lost our shape for a wee while and had to really dig deep to to get the result there. Um, but through the year, uh, boys rose to challenge after challenge and, uh, geez, there were just so many. I mean, we didn't know that we'd be playing rugby until the end of July when McGill announced which sports would be on the calendar for the year. Right. We uh, we weren't able to get on field or meet together as a group until just near the end of August, which was wow. 16 days prior to first kickoff. Um, you know, that, that clearly presented another big challenge to us. And then how we had to manage things on a day-to-day basis in terms of COVID protocol and, mm. you know, verifications of who could be where when and tracing and tracking uh we lost i didn't write down the numbers um put it together for our sort of end of season report but the number of man practices we lost because someone may have been in contact with someone or someone woke up with a bit of a headache or a cough Mm. and it's an automatic no training permitted until asymptomatic 24 hours and a negative test and i mean those all created real challenges for us on top of that, you know, getting onto the field, we weren't permitted to, you know, cross borders for any sort of preseason training or preseason work. Um, so, you know, running into the season, we were, were definitely behind the eight ball a, a wee bit. Um, we knew ahead of time. Um, we have uh, an outstanding doctor. Shout out to the Montreal Irish, Dr. Mickey Morose, who used to play for the Irish back in right on. Uh, I think it might have been in maybe your day or just the beginning. Yeah, of my no, day. I coached him. Yeah, he's a okay. scrum half. Yeah, right. So he's our team doctor, and he's an outstanding, yeah. outstanding sports sports med guy. And um, so he, uh, you know, I worked with him um, about the real concerns that we were going to have of people not having played and not having done quite a, really much of anything for quite a period of time because they were not permitted to do a bunch of training. Guys weren't permitted into weight rooms and such around here. Um, and so we jumped on World Rugby's Activate immediately and, and put guys into the Activate programming way back in um, the beginning of May um, because we, we really were concerned about soft tissue. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it came to pass. We, we had a couple of real tough soft tissue injuries through the year. Um, you know, so, so we, we lost a number of, of guys, but that's common to everyone. If you took a look at the RCQ through the, uh, through the fall, the lineup from week to week on each of the teams was, was different. Um, you know, managing guys, minutes, managing guys beat up and bang up, um, Mm. you know, and, and with that part also comes, you know, no high school rugby 
No, here in Quebec, no CJEP rugby, leading guys into a a two-year cohort of first-time players. Yeah. um, Presented a bunch of skills challenges and a bunch of uh, game sense challenges too. So all in all, uh, a big, big season. At our meeting just the other day, we were talking about, uh, let's everybody pull out one goal that you had set from the beginning of uh, the year and how did we go and I pulled out the one I had thrown in as just you know it was truthful but kind of kicking it a bit and saying we don't want any COVID let's avoid the COVID and we'd been able to actually do that um, oh, good. you know the, the boys the boys yeah the boys bought into to doing what they needed to do and being really really responsible and um, I you know grateful as hell to them for all that because that's you can only imagine what a challenge that's got to be as a 20 year old kid going to uni all right, last last thing on McGill. Uh, moving forward, what what's some of the big goals uh, for McGill? And you know, if you if you were, to, you know, look forward to five years time, where where would you hope that the program would be? Uh, yeah, I hope um, in, in five years' time. I mean, we definitely want to be uh, you know a top program in the province, and we want to be competing at a national uh, level tournament. Um, we attended the national tournament when it was here in 2019 and, um, you know, we, we had an okay run, but, uh, in terms of the way things are currently sitting in, uh, in Canadian university rugby, there's an upper echelon and, uh, would suggest that we're, we're not at that level and, and we would like to work, uh, to get there and to achieve that. Um, you know, there are a number of things that uh, we want to look towards doing to address that in the immediacy. One of the other challenges that we had uh, this year was that the rosters were capped and we were not permitted to keep the, uh, the number of players that we would want it to. And we were only allowed to play with one squad. We weren't allowed to have a development side or a second team. Mm-hmm. And uh, McGill's traditionally had uh, two or th- even three teams. So we've got to get back to that. So in the immediacy, um, we want to get back to those 35, 38 players that uh, we had to say that they couldn't continue with us. Um, we, yeah, was um, Matt Garston, uh, God love him. When we knew that this was going to be the case, we started looking at solutions and we began hooking these guys up with um, Westmount Club um, because it's just right close to where mm. – we are and where, where a bunch of these boys live so that we could get them into at least some tens rugby to be able to play some rugby through the fall. And uh, so that kept a bunch of them interested and hopefully invested in it. Well, they um, won the division we, too, I believe. They, they did. They ended yeah, up winning good. their title. So that was, awesome. uh, so that was yeah, a real positive them. for them. Yeah. yeah. So we definitely want to be able to, to pull a, a bunch of those guys back. But um, going back to what you mentioned, uh, academics, and getting into McGill is a challenge. And mm. in terms of recruiting and in terms of looking to to bring players on board, we've got to be far, far, far better. Uh, and we, we, we've addressed that um, as a, a, a coaching group as well as with our alumni um, in order to to be able to be better at that. Um, you know, there are things that we're going to need to be doing and things that we're going to be implementing Um in order to try to attract uh, and just, I guess, inform, um, you know, players about sort of what our programming is about and what it is that we're looking to achieve and, you know, try to get some of those academic kind of elite guys coming our way um, Mm. as, as their first choice. We also want to continue to really work with our alumni. One of the big deals that we've really started upon in the last four or five years is our alumni engagement. Um, These guys create tons of, a buzz for our group, but really tons of connection and opportunity to both uh, on and off the field. 
Um, you know, most recently, uh, Alex Russell getting uh, named to Canada's sevens and uh, getting yeah. capped there for the first time rounds. Fantastic to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, then from an off-field uh, end of things too, being able to to get into some mentorship stuff with uh, with some of our more senior alumni in and out of the game is a very, very important thing for our group and our programming too. Cool. Uh, that sounds exciting. All right. Um, you mentioned in there a bit of bit of club rugby uh, around Montreal. You've you've been active uh, locally for for a long time. Um, what, what's a bit of a summary of of the work you've done, and you know how how would you like to see men's rugby progress? You know, local level here in in Quebec, and uh, you know, on that premiership uh, club level. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so I, I started when it, when I uh, got back here from uh, from Newcastle. Um, you know, I started uh, coaching at the club level, and then, as I said, had the opportunity to to coach uh, the provincial senior men's side, which uh, which was a great experience and just showed me that there is a heap of of talent uh, here mm. in Quebec and um, the. The shifts back and forth between Ontario being in, like, uh, sorry, Eastern Ontario being in the Quebec League or not. Um, I think, you know, we, we really want that to continue to happen. At least I think it needs to continue to happen to, to make things more competitive. But in terms of um, the work here in Quebec, um, I think that there is an issue with uh, not the club system as mm-hmm. per se, but uh, I, I do believe that for the number of players we have, we have, we have too many clubs. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that uh, in order for players to develop, there has to be competitive opportunity, as much competitive opportunity as possible. And when the the talent is diluted by such a significant number of clubs, um, it 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 can't progress the way that you would sort of want it to. When you look at the representation at next level, Quebec women are are so well represented at the national level, 100%. and you, yeah. you know you look at the club structure for the women. There are three, four very very competitive sides that have very very captive groups and they attract the best and the best play at those clubs and that makes them better players they're they're mm. playing better fixtures each week and that makes them better players eh? that's something that we we definitely need to address here um we've got a, a number of really strong minis and, and youth groups um but we you know we absolutely need to we need to get some sort of carryover from that into into senior men's and, and the club systems as well. And, um, you know, I think getting our, ourselves a little bit better vested into high schools. I mean, I, I, you know, at my high school program, we have challenges consistently. And then you look at a high school program like the one you ran for quite some time where, mm. you know, you, you, you just didn't really have much in the way of competition to play against. And yeah. um, I think that we, we need to we need to be as you know as a union we need to be more invested in that and i know mm. that there's heaps of efforts by by this the same few people continues on but uh, i think yeah. we need to be a whole bunch better at that in order to evolve our game and, and to make our game better um i liked the the rcsl back in the day rugby canada super league um which uh, was you know all across the country it's a beautiful uh, thing um it was it gave it provided for opportunities to play, but yeah. six, <laughs> you mm. know, six yeah. perhaps opportunities to play, um, and that and that's a tough one, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I like that 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 opportunity was there. Um, mm. The same with 
um, when when you boys had uh, the Voyager program, the U19 program, developing mm. you know young guys to be able to move on to next level type of stuff. Fantastic, yeah, yeah, fantastic initiatives, fantastic um, environment. Five or six games though, and it's it's done. Yeah. that's it that's it yeah. and that's that's a challenge it's, you know in a, in a good part of our country unfortunately I, I think just just going back a little bit um like i'm like with my kids the age they're at they're at that mini's age and there's like the base of the pyramid is it's pretty it's pretty strong right like there's yeah. there is a big buy-in for for mini's rugby from you know my my, my youngest he's five he plays with the u8s and my oldest is eleven, uh, and there is there there is a desire there for that, and and the numbers reflect it. And like you say, it's that 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 leap from that age group into the high school realm, and then from you know this is a worldwide problem. How do you get high school kids playing for club rugby? So that's a, that's a that's a major major issue. That that middle part of the pyramid. Is is not is not stable and definitely not sustainable. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I've I, my high school is any fluctuates anywhere between say eight hundred and a thousand kids. Mm. Um, you know, we had two years running where we had over a hundred kids playing rugby, um, but then literally followed a year or two after that with scrambling to have one senior boys team of you know yeah. twenty boys. It's a challenge and. But uh, where I was on the other the other end of the spectrum, where I'd I'd ask kids in grade ten and eleven how many years of rugby you played, and you know five or six of them had already played ten years of rugby because they'd just <laughs> been playing minis, and minis with, minis with their mums and dads, like who yeah. played rugby all their life too. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, that's yeah. that's a big part. It is, it is, and it's yeah, yeah. As I say, it's a child. I mean, if you can. Half of my struggle in my, you know, my day job is to figure out how to motivate a, a teenager to get on things. And uh, mm. so, you know, if anybody's got that secret somewhere in their book, uh, let us all know and we can get them we hooked into the yeah. game. Especially with math. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> Says the science guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and part, part of your role when you were heading up the Quebec uh, senior rugby team was uh, you, you got to go on a, a tour of the Canadian national team uh, to Argentina in the, the days when Kieran Crowley was was leading it. And, um, yeah. you know, shout out to Kieran. He's uh, an excellent man and um you know, definitely missed here in the the Canadian landscape at a at a senior men's level, in my opinion. What what was that experience like? When was that? That was like 2012 or uh, 2010. Oh, okay, right, right. It was yeah. the um, so the CRC was was in place at that point. They you know right. they went from the Rugby Canada Super League um, to the uh, the CRC league, the now defunct CRC. Yeah, correct. <laughs> With senior men and uh, and uh, and the U19s as well, and the CRC um, from that uh, competition, um, they selected players that they wanted to take a look at for the upcoming World Cup in 2011, um, mm. and they were going to play in the America Rugby's Cup, and um, so that was being hosted in Argentina, and it was uh, an Argentina squad. Uh, a U.S. development squad, the Canadian uh, Selects or development squad, the ARC team, and uh, Toma. And uh, so, yeah, I had the opportunity. Um, I think 
two or th- two years, perhaps prior to that, um, Rugby Canada Institute, what, what I thought was just a, a great idea. And it was a, like a coach shadow program and it gave mm-hmm. um, younger, well, it wasn't so young, but um, coaches an opportunity to work with top end people and, yep. uh, and tour with them. Um, Francois Ratier, the executive director here, uh, in Montreal, who was one of your your uh, your podcast guests previously, he had the opportunity to do that as well over in I believe the UK. Um, so yeah, I had the opportunity to go down to to Argentina with that team, and uh, it was a it was an excellent experience. Uh, again, I was beginning to work out the idea of of team culture and, and get team culture right or, or get team culture as a forefront thing, um, and I. I really saw the the implications that could have and what that can do in a group. And that's a group of guys really just being pulled together to get down. Yeah. There were um, a couple of, you know, mainstays from the, the Canadian national team at that time, but the, the majority of the guys were, were looking to get a spot uh, into the world cup squad for the following year uh, and watching, you know, Kieran and, and, Mike and, uh, and those guys work with this team um, was a great experience. Um, it wasn't literally just, a, you know, come tag along and have a look. It's you were immersed. You were asked, OK, so we'd like you to do a, a session here. What, you know, what would you like to focus on? And then it became, OK, we'd like you to focus on this and the next one and have a go with that. Mm. Um, and that was that was fantastic because then mm. there was immediate feedback from guys that I, you know, that I knew and had tons of respect for and had tons of time to listen to. So mm. yeah, it was, uh, it was quite something. Awesome. Brings me nicely to my, my final question before the final four questions, you know, you've, you've been around Canadian rugby for, for a long time now. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's no secret that the the game's not going well at a, at a senior level uh, for the men's 15s. If you had a, a magic wand, what would be your top five areas you'd focus on in order to make not just an immediate impact, but, but a long-term impact as well? Yeah, it's just uh, uh, to no pressure. Get the ship, to get the ship <laughs> turned and steered. Uh, first of all, what's that? Uh, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. Just surround yourself with them, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's you should answer me, the question, That's a let's go find a couple of smarter books. Jeez, <laughs> uh, if I had a magic wand, I'd love to be able to, you know, get our top 100 athletes and, and give them far more competitive opportunities to play rugby. Um, mm. You know, if there was an opportunity or an ability to be able to to do that, um, we, we need to get guys playing more meaningful fixtures Mm. Uh, as we spoke about earlier at the representative levels um, in their formative years, we had boys playing six or seven uh, top notch, top notch uh, fixtures in their, in their year. And you're not, you're not going to compete um, with nations, with nations doing that. Um, I think that the Toronto arrows is outstanding. I think that this is just a, a really good thing for a rugby in Canada. I, I, I believe it to be, um, not so much just as a pathway into the national program, although obviously it can be, but, you know, having a professional league where guys get to work and train in, in a, a truly, truly competitive environment and then play a 20 plus game season and, and yeah. play like a professional and work like a professional. Um, that That's, I, I mean, that's why the other nations are, are that far ahead is because their players have those opportunity. Um, I believe that, uh, 
you know, coach development has to be there too. It can't just be about the players and giving them opportunities, coaching opportunities like the one I had that many years ago. 100%. And now, you know, you've, you've opened my eyes to, to, to a whole bunch of different things. Like you've, you've given me a few different resources whenever I ask, we'll go and take a look at this, go take a look at that because your fingers on the button. I think more people know, need to know about people like yourselves and others who do have fingers on buttons and can point them to resources because there's tons of that out there. And um, literally, I don't know too many guys who do what we do or, or people who do what we do that, that don't like to read. And you, you just pick something up and read it. And you're going to learn heaps from it. Um, yeah. Watch a bit on it on the on the YouTube or something like that. Same sort of thing. Um, so I think, uh, you know, magic wand wise, uh, let's get everybody up to speed on what, what resources are available and, and work mm. to develop that. And then I think, I think lastly, um, I don't want to call them fiefdoms, but um, we have kind of different ways of going about how we're going to do things in the different unions or in the different provinces or regions. And I think if we had a, a real, you talked about a pyramid before, if there was a real way on how we're treating, you know, minis into high schools or into, mm. you know, schoolboy clubs, if you want to call it that, and, yeah. and then working our way up uh, towards opportunities to play these competitive fixtures that I was talking about. I think that that would absolutely set us off in the right direction. I know that, you know, you use the term magic one. So I'm kind of talking quite truly a bunch of magic doesn't happen in here. because <laughs> None of these things are, are, are easy to do. Um, at the end of the day to be better, you've got to play better. You've, you've mm -hmm. got to play more consistently, more frequently, more often train in a better environment. And that all comes, comes down to having the opportunities to do it and just, at this stage, how do we get them? Where do we make them? Um, you know, funding obviously is a big piece of that. Maybe with that magic wand, you give us a big bag of money that we've, uh, yeah. we're yeah. able to just have the unlimited pockets to be able to, mm. you know, pull these guys off and pull these players off, I should say, and these coaches off and give them that chance. Yeah, I kind of, I've thought about that too, the money uh, and the size of the country and, but that's always been the, the excuse, right? And, and then you look at it, country like namibia and it's like well hang on i think we're we're better placed in those terms than namibia but namibia's bloody good and sure like you know right next door to south africa and um you know a lot of their players will play in south africa or over in europe but that's they've created a model that works for namibia and I don't think we have a model that works for Canada. I think we're using a model that works for, I don't know, maybe New Zealand, maybe England, maybe yeah. whatever. But I don't think we've truly found a Canadian model that 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 can really, you know, maximise the the talent we have, but also the the limits we have in terms of resources and. Oh, and I was just going to say, in you saying that, it makes me think, yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, 10 years ago, where was Chile? Yeah, right? or Argentina 15 years ago. You know? Perfect examples. Yeah, yeah that's and yeah, it, a very good point in terms of the model that works or fits to to what your circumstance or what you are. I mean, we, we do that in our, in our personal lives and, you know, in, in other aspects of our lives. And I never really considered it in those terms, but yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. And the other, the other thing I'll say, just get my rant on about uh, coach development. Um, it took me longer to get my level three than it did to get my university degree. And that, that, that speaks to 
a major problem in terms of developing yeah. coaches and getting yeah. and getting just even a simple level one. Um, it's it's very difficult, very difficult, and that that just needs to be a major major priority moving forward. That we have to get coaches qualified and skilled and contemporary um, yeah. to to move the game forward. Yeah, I agree. When I um I I had a stint there as you know a school teacher and educator interested obviously in education and so I had a I did my work um, to become a coach educator and mm-hmm. I worked as a coach educator for World Rugby for a while but what ended up happening was I I wasn't progressing I wasn't becoming better at it simply because there were limited opportunities to do the work unfortunately and uh, you know that's something that you got to kind of work through I suppose. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, um, the I think we need to get that structured a, a good bit better in, in order to be able to hopefully entice other people and more people to both into the roles of educator and into the role of, of coaching and getting their coaching accreditation and, and learning. Um, you know, I think you use the term the science of coaching and I couldn't agree that there's the science behind all the coaching we does just or all what we do, sorry, is just going to help everyone. All right, mate. Well, we always end the show with the same final four questions. Uh, when you first got hooked on rugby, question one: Who was the, who was the first player that really, really got you got you interested in the game and uh, that you're a fan of? Uh, there were there were a few. Um, for me, it was a wee bit later when I was a young kid. Um, you know, through my early years, it was it was watching the hockey and watching soccer. Give me a hockey player, not as much. <laughs> yeah, Give me someone. Heaps Knuckles Nyland. Uh, Knuckles Nyland would have been up there, surely. Love him. Love him in here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Tiger Williams and uh, that bunch. And Wayne Cashman, all the brawly types. Um, mm. On on the field, uh, there were there were a few from you know when I when I really started paying attention. Zinzan Brook was um, to me that was uh, yeah. one of my favorite players. Uh, Talk about all skills for all players. Um, mm. One of your boys, Campo. Um, I used to love watching Campesian when uh, Campesian and uh, John Kerwin having goes at one another and uh, which yeah. was going to be the better of the two. I listen to Kerwin now quite a bit on, uh, I forget what the, the show he's got. Um, mm. um, and he's, uh, you know, an interesting guy. Like and uh, both Julie, are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, really, really. Uh, Really, really had a thing. Uh, Al Chernel, I, th- I thought he was yeah. just class as a guy. Um, yeah. You know, good Canadian kid. Uh, just the hardest working man uh, going. Right he's, bloke he's as well. A, uh, lunchbox guy. And mm. man, oh man. Uh, just he, he was something to watch. And you got to watch him obviously when he's young, you know, uh, that age. Yeah. But yeah, something. He, uh, yeah, he spoke at uh, one of the Montreal Irish Old Boys uh, events. Yeah, just like super chill guy, super humble and shaking his hand is like shaking someone with a baseball mitt. It's just like gigantic and yeah. <laughs> and just like the fact that he got named in a World 15 at a World Cup, that is that is sensational for, oh, for a Canadian back yeah. rower too, a back yeah. rower to get named in a national, like an international, international 15. Side. Yeah. It's crazy. Top, yeah. top class. Yeah, awesome. And what about now? Who are some of the players you like watching run around? I uh, just from you know being in the coaching and the things. I love to look at the leadership bit. Now, Alan Wynn Jones yeah. is just something to me. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I was gutted to see him uh, hurt again, but Jesus, he's been he's been something. Um, you know the. 
Um, Dan Carter was another one who so stood out to me as perhaps one of the best ever. Um, and uh, now ju- just watching young young guys go, and he's not as young, but uh, the third one that stood out to me or stands out to me, um, even though I've never – I shouldn't say I've never been. I'm an off and on with South Africa. Sometimes I love the way they're playing and what they're doing. Other yeah. times, so oh, thank God. <laughs> Agreed. But, uh, yeah, but uh, Faf de Clare. Oh, yeah. good God, man. Yeah, yeah. Talk about showing the world that this sport is for everyone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. He's, 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 a, he's a phenom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I love watching him play. Yeah, and that's I'd throw Antoine Dupont into that uh, as well. That yeah. same thing, kind of. He's like what five six, and just as strong as an ox, and all the skills, and an absolute yeah. game changer. When oh when sure, required. yeah, the vision and the ability to make decisions quickly. And, and the beauty, game. the beauty of the French is too. They don't do sixty minute videos about referees doing poor decisions <laughs> and putting them on YouTube. So uh, I'll take Dupont on that mm-hmm. one. Not to knock anyone, and that's all. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. And what about what about high profile coaches? Uh, who are, who are some coaches you you like what they're doing? Well, I, they, so I remember initially looking at as a forwards coach. I started looking and listening to pretty much every word Mike Cron had to say, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that there was there was tons to to learn out of uh, him, obviously, and yeah. I still check into videos all the time about technical aspects mm-hmm. and things that we want to be doing. Um, I I really like a lot of what I saw with uh, Michael Chaka as well. I, yeah. I thought that, um, you know, no, no surprise that, you know, he ended up now down in, in Argentina to go for but those are guys that you can you can take heaps from um and i think that even i shouldn't say even i think that anyone that is willing to sit and and have a chat with you and you you put that to me one time about these rugby guys it doesn't matter who they are the profile that they are yeah. if you want to talk rugby they're willing to talk rugby no, and i, I think that, that just goes to speak volumes to things so, like, man, I've talked more rugby with you than most and all. And, man, I would put you in that category as a guy that you're a go-to guy that's going to help people along constantly uh, of your own time and on your own dime. And I think that needs to be recognized too. I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Um, I probably belong in this last uh, question, though. Uh, who, who's someone in the grassroots? You like what you're doing. But thanks for putting me in the high-profile group. I'll, I'll take it, mate. <laughs> Who's uh, last question? Who's someone in the grassroots community that uh, you feel deserves a shout out for the work they're doing? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, you've already mentioned his name, and I guess it's a mate of mine as well. So I guess, but Hugh Robertson, uh, the minis work that he's doing here um, yeah, in my yeah. local community. Um, I literally have uh, two high school teachers at the school I work at come chat to me about this. I think he might be Welsh, you know, <laughs> referring to Hugh because they've got their little kids involved in the run around yeah, up that's there. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, it's just been great. And I got to watch him play uh, once. And uh, this year, his, his just his demeanor with him and the way he works with him is, is spectacular. And, you know, it, it's that kind of thing that's going to create experiences. It'll hopefully have these kids stick around. That's, that's other, a crazy little group of players too. They all they all live within like 100 metres, 200 <laughs> metres of each other. They all play in the back alley of, yeah. of Verdun and they're, they're tight as can be and... Yeah. I want to see that group in ten years' time. 10 that's years. going to be that's going to be insane. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, another name I need to mention is uh, Alan Spitzer. I don't know Alan personally uh, very mm-hmm. well at all. I, I know him, but I know what he's doing, and that's that um, the NDG Dragons program. Yep. That's yep. him sort of leading up that group there. Um, and again, there, there, he's getting tons and tons of kids, and it's all based on you know a heap of hard work and and you know never stop knocking on doors type of thing and, and providing opportunities for them so yeah. um it's great to see uh it's great to see that happen in that community as well that's uh, a good way to finish I've, I've actually got one of uh alan's uh rugby balls in the the boot of my car uh, my five-year-old son stole it uh last week at uh at a rugby game and uh <laughs> promise I'll get um, it back to you, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Apples and trees made apples and trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, mate. It's been awesome having you on for episode 99. I've got a, a pretty massive guest for episode 100, but uh, I don't know. He's uh, He or she, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it a mystery. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have to uh, do well to follow you, mate. Uh, really enjoyed having the <laughs> chat. Great to catch up and talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Thanks very much, mate. No worries. Cheers. for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us via Twitter at RugbyCoachesCNR or via the website therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.